celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Jay Reeve, he is one of New Zealand's most popular multimedia broadcasters. He's a father and a husband, a businessman and an athlete with a keen eye on Harley Davidson's as an ambassador. Jay has traveled the world throughout his career as a VJ for MTV, and he has built himself a remarkable reputation in New Zealand and abroad with his presence on TV, radio, and social media. We all know his voice as heard on the Rock Drive show, seen his smiling face on our screens, and many have probably had their social occasion made better with pals, the all-natural go-to bevy, or perhaps a glass of Master of Ceremonies Rosé, with plenty to share from his journey to date, I am really stoked to welcome Jay to Tall Poppy Talk. Jay, where and how are you today? I'm Kelda, air cutting. This is amazing. Um, I'm currently sitting in my office slash podcasting studio um, that I have in partnership with Rob Dunn, who runs Movember. So this is a Movember office, my office. And I guess Switzerland when it comes to podcasting in New Zealand. So Hargrave Street Studio is the old Red Bull building, um, which is where I, funnily enough, met my wife. This is the building I met my wife in. Um, and now we have the bottom floor and have taken over the studio. So that's a band practice space for New Zealand rock band Villainy. Uh, it's where I do a lot of voiceovers out of as well. But it's also a podcast studio for a couple of emerging digital media um, so operations, which has got me quite, quite excited. And then, and then a number of podcasts that come out of here as well which is, um, yeah, that's where I am, opposite the police station. Not in it. Take that as a win. I know, there sounds like a lot of memories for you in that past and present and future pending. That's really exciting. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it is like a weird little, it's a weird little time capsule. I mean, uh, the fact that I get to work with my good mate Roundy from November, this is where the All Blacks podcast is done as well. So all the uh, I get to catch up with all the fellas that well, I no longer there's quite a few of them that have passed through here that I played footy against back in the day. Uh, not so much now, obviously, since I'm twice their age. But uh, yeah, that's very cool. Upstairs in the in the far right corner from where I'm sitting right now is basically where I first met my wife as she was head of PR and comms for Red Bull. And, uh, and I was a massive pest and was part of what they called the OL team, which is the opinion leader team, which was when I was back at MTV days. Oh, incredible. And it's cool that you talked about talked about rugby just there because there are a lot of potential areas that we could dive into from hosting the rock drive with Duncan emceeing all your time with MTV and amongst it all you are an athlete which really piques my interest whether it was surfing competing last year in July you had this experience with the fight for life and on your Instagram I believe you said both of us left the ring with our bodies wrecked and our pride intact. And I love that. So can you please explain how you got involved and what goals you had going into it? Well, I guess um, I'm, I'm about as far from an athlete as you could possibly get. I, um, I always enjoyed playing team sports. Uh, and then I wanted to, I wanted to try, try and test myself as an individual athlete once I finished rugby and, um, and my shoulders were pretty wrecked. My body was pretty wrecked from, from playing footy, not to any great level, and so I used to paddle Wakama, which is outrigger canoe paddling, um, and did all right in that. And then, uh, and then qualified for the New Zealand team back when I was, I don't know, eight, half a lifetime ago, basically. And through a couple of miscommunications, missed out on representing New Zealand and uh, and Tahiti. So I'd always kind of wanted to test myself, and I'm open and honest in the fact that very, uh, or for the longest time, I've been um, probably the first. Well, I'm now the first to admit that if you don't try, then you can never fail. And I sort of adopted that mentality uh, as a kid. And I wanted to shape that. I wanted to test myself. I wanted to see what I could do. And so I picked up something I'd never done before, which was boxing, and was lined up to fight against a very good friend of mine, Tammy Davis, who's also just a champion, just a great bloke. We got into it for the same reason, and Fight for Life came about. So normally you get uh, 10 weeks to train for a fight, and then you go to get them in there under the lights. And it was a more, normally like a rugby league versus rugby union sort of set up and a couple of people scattered through it. And myself and Tammy were one of those fights. We're the opening fight of the night. But this the first one got delayed because of COVID and then they couldn't get another one. So it just kept getting pushed out and pushed out and pushed out. 
Uh, and then they eventually set a date. Um, and by that stage, I had a, uh, what they call a ziffy process, which is a sternum, uh, a, a sternum that jutted out. And because I like surfing, it became really, uh, really punishing and really sore to surf on. And so I was booked in for surgery and they didn't know when they were going to be able to fit me in because it's cardiothoracic surgery. And so I went in and they um, and they basically cut out my sternum and I was like, sweet, now I can train for this fight. It's going to shorten the time down, but I'll be okay. And we went away and I went surfing over in San Diego. Um, was trialing out some boards for a, a buddy of mine who's former world champ, Taylor Jensen, who's just, he's a man, he's a legend. Um, and while surfing in San Diego, I managed to pick up a staph infection in the cut which where the surgery was healing from. So when I came back, I had to go in for another surgery. This one was way worse. They cut like a hole about this big out of my chest. Um, and they basically, when I woke up, I thought they were just going to slice it, clean it out and stitch it back together. But because there's a bit of necrosis around the flesh, they basically hacked the whole thing out and filled it with a sponge like a dishcloth and then had a sec uh, suction wound dressing on it. So it heal had to heal from inside out. Um, and so I was like, this is going to fuck me for this fight. Um, and they're like, yeah, no, there's no chance of you being able to train for this thing. And all I wanted to do was give Tammy a good test so that he could have a good account of himself. And I wanted it vice versa. We made the call early on. We weren't going to muck around. Like I wanted to be tested. That's why I'm in there. So there was a bit of panic to try and get me up to speed. Shane Cameron was my coach. Uh, David Basin, Stewie were my um, my sparring partners. And I didn't have time to get fit. I didn't have time to learn technique. I just had to get in the ring and spar for five weeks. So my 10-week camp got condensed into five weeks. Um, and then, yeah, we hit the hit the night and I blew myself to smithereens. And yeah, like I said, I mean, they, they lifted someone's glove up and that happened to be me. But I think both of us felt that, you know, we sort of did ourselves proud. And Tammy said that he felt tested and I definitely felt tested by him. So it was... um. It was awesome. And it's great for, my, I've got nine-year-old twin boys and it was great, well, maybe not great, but I'd come home every morning after training with my face smashed in, blood all over my shirt, make them breakfast, make their lunch, send them off to school and go, have a great day, boys. And they just got used to me, <laughs> used to seeing me beaten up every day, which I think for them, uh, they're like, why do you do it? And I was like, because you never know where your limit is unless you test yourself. And we're great at so many things and particularly at my age, I'm now 40 you always lean into the things that you're good at. And I think that now's the time to just maybe do the things that you're not great at. I'm great at drinking, great at partying. That's what MTV and the radio industry taught me. So maybe let's see if I can be great at being fit and let's see if I can be great at not hammering my body every weekend. And let's see if I'm, I can be better at not losing my days to my nights. And, and so that's sort of the focus for me this year. And it was all kind of a catalyst from that. The idea was to, do the fight off the back of that, maintain some fitness through summer. There was a footy game that we had lined up, which kind of fell over for November. And then off the back of that, a boat trip in the Mentawis with the boys where um, I'd go and get waves and get shacked off my head, but those didn't eventuate. So now we're uh, we're heading to Melbourne to the wave park and said next month, and then up to Noosa where I'll spend a couple of weeks surfing the points in the national park there. I love the part where you say, yeah, don't you? Something, what'd you say about losing... Your days to your nights. Yeah, don't lose your days to your nights. I um I had a I had a DMT experience, um, which was awesome. A guided DMT experience, which if you if you know what it is, then you know what it is. If you don't know what it is, it's basically dimethyltryptamine, which is kind of similar to what happens in an ayahuasca um, ceremony, but it's a really condensed version. So it's sort of a five minute process where you're just sort of whistling through space and you unzip this planet and step into another one. And, it strips away everything that you are. You're not your job. You're not your friends. You're not your car. You're not your money. You're not your, you're just a little black dot whistling through space and you get to see really who you are. And I think from that, kind of leading into why we're having this whole conversation right now, it was like, where do you place value? Because I guess you've got two fucks to give when it comes to anything. And, and where do you place that fuck? And more often than not, we give it to somebody else or something else or another business. And we don't often give it to ourselves. And, uh, and I learned a lot from it. It was, yeah, it was really, really life-changing and mind-altering and everything that I wanted it to be and more. <laughs> Did you have someone guide you through that? Because I know that Ayahuasca, I was in Peru and you needed a guide, someone who knew what they were doing to support you through that. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, uh, a friend, uh, so the McKenna's are basically the, the big ones in behind, uh, I guess, 
probably the learnings and the teachings from that. And I was working with a guy who was an offshoot of, of McKenna who had recently been to Peru and, and gone through ayahuasca with McKenna. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really great. And I'm not saying that to everybody. I'm just saying that I felt that it was, it was something that I was drawn to and I'd read a lot about and I'd heard a lot about and was really keen to do it. And me and a buddy ponied up and I know it changed my life and it, it massively changed my friend's life who went through it too. And he's a, he's a superstar. What I like about that too is to your point of we lean into what we know we can do and that whole experience is handing yourself over to, all right, I'm going to, I have no idea what's going to happen. And you can have a really positive experience that you did and maybe some people won't and vice versa on other things. But to allow yourself to fully commit to, I, I don't know, I'm, is Jay going to be good at this? We don't know. How's he going to respond? We don't know. But that's the point of why you did it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love the um, I love the concept of just seeing what that test is and and seeing how you how you come out of it because I think it's like anything. I hate going into I hate going into anything thinking I'm going to win. Like we've got some pretty hef hefty negotiations at the moment around a bunch of business things that we're doing, and if you walk in knowing that you're going to win, like you just I think you don't, you don't necessarily take it for granted, but you probably don't learn as much about the process or yourself or the stress that you can handle or how much time and uh, a mental capacity you give to these things and I've quickly learned that I get I get very invested when I probably need to divest and maybe stay a little bit further away from it because I'm just I'm all in like I'm a I, if you want me I'm, I'm all in but if you sort of muck around and I don't feel that that's reciprocated then then it's yeah then I'm like wow if you're not if you're not willing to dance here then I can't dance with myself and I love the dance I love that little bit where there's where you're guaranteed something and when you're not guaranteed something that space in the middle that's where the gesture in me operates like i love to see what that dance provides i see i will want to see what the music is it's played off the back of it and i want to see what moves we can both do that makes me jump to a question i was going to ask later but you already touched upon it an article i think it was uno or something you said nowadays we're so quick to go i'm this team or i'm that team but you can sit in the middle and go, well, tell me more. And again, you've said it's not, if you're not learning, you're just not moving. So you've mentioned you have two young boys, aka the Reeve Nuggets. I saw, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what have they taught you? Uh, probably the biggest thing that they've taught me is um, time is something that you don't get back. You don't get a, you don't get a replay on anything. So if you're not making it count, if you're not moving in a positive direction, then you're effectively wasting time. And I think a lot of people spend uh, time worrying about what's happening in the future or possibly recounting something that's happened in the past that they would change. If they, if I could do that all again, you know, I'd change it. And they miss out on the present. So you're forever in this flux between time traveling forward and trying to time travel back and you miss what's happening right in front of you. Like I'm omnipresent right now. Like I'm enjoying this and I'm not thinking about what's happening after this. And I'm not thinking about what's happened before this. Like I'm here and we get to share this together. And I love that. And with my kids, that's definitely the big focus for me because there was some, I read some literature around 80% of the time that you spend with your kids between the ages of zero and 18. And my kids are nine. 50% of that time is gone. That's terrifying. Like I, like I, not that I want to, spend and they won't no I want to spend every second with my kids for the rest of their life but it needs to be impactful and it needs to be positive and I want them to I want them to enjoy spending time with me and I want to enjoy spending time with them so they hold me to account and I hold them to account about what is you know what is our contribution to the world and are we adding or are we subtracting and so that's something we we live near the beach and and uh when we're in Mount Monganui and the boys were little we had a routine we'd get up every morning and and we'd we would welcome the sun and, you know, be like, this is, this is great. You know, like we're really appreciative. We get to see another sunrise and then we'd make a coffee and we'd walk down to the beach. And if there's any rubbish um, on the way to check the surf, we'd pick it up and put it in the bin. And that's something they do now. And we, that was something we started doing when they were sort of three years old and, and they understand it. And they appreciate it because if not them, then who, and we can't wait for somebody else to change our surroundings. It's up to us to be, you know, to be the captain of our ships and make sure that, what we're doing is contributing, you know, positively. And we don't always get it right and don't think you always know everything. Um, and 
and as a result of that i think you know, the time that we spend together is pretty fucking cool and they're really really cool kids and and i don't care what anyone else thinks necessarily but it is nice to hear from other people about man your kids are you know really well-mannered and really kind and really nice and that's that's what we need more of kind humans that care about the planet and care about each other and i think i've got two of the greatest they have a great role model in both you and your wife from what i see so that's really lovely and obviously the beach that whole lifestyle you just painted for me of walking picking up rubbish heading to the beach seeing the sunrise you don't necessarily get that per se when you're in Auckland but there are a lot of great things that are in Auckland too so one part I want to touch upon is the industry you're in talking to people communicating like what we're doing now but you do it on this huge level you have this confidence you exude it authenticity what like led you to the career you're in for those who might not know your path could you just give us like a an outline please yeah i was a i would man i was a super shy kid and um i will i would like to think i was a super shy kid and then when i was about 14 i was a super shy but fucking naughty kid and i went to boarding school and um i went i returned so we grew up in taranaki and then my parents moved my parents are dairy farmers so we moved to um to Tauranga or on the outskirts of Tauranga, a place called Tapuna, where I went to, where I sort of went through my primary schooling years or my formative primary school years, intermediate, and then went to Tauranga Boys. Um, and my parents moved away from Taranaki so they didn't have to send us to boarding school because we live around the coast. And then, yeah, I was a little bit of a ha kid and uh, made some made some not great decisions. And as a result of that, went back to boarding school. And I think from there. I don't know, it was almost, I'm not saying that it was like a prison, but you kind of had to become something. And I became a, a, a became a noisy kid and I enjoyed the currency of um, the currency of friendship and laughter. And that's, you know, people call it networking, but it's just being a human. And from there, I guess I'd probably found myself a little bit more and found the out, you know, the the outspoken part of myself. And I've always enjoyed making people laugh and connecting with people. And when I returned back to Todong Boys um, and then decided that that's communication with people is what I wanted to do. And so I set about a teaching career and I studied as a, a primary school teacher and then got that qualification. I went straight from university into teaching at my old school, Todong Boys College, as a cooking teacher um, in, the, in the era of... Uh, well, Kane Williamson was in my class for both years that I taught captain of the black caps Well, not the captain of the diamond, but you know, the skip of the black caps, Sammy Kane was in the mixer, Pete Burling. So I'm not saying I had anything to do with their careers, but you know, three of the world champs of, you know, come through my classroom. Um, and then went from, uh, from there, I went to leave to go overseas and do teaching, which is what most New Zealand teachers do at, at that age. And, uh, they asked me if I wanted to work at MTV after commentating a bit of the prolonged tour that I was on. The producer from the prolonged tour became the producer of MTV and asked me if I wanted to do it. Moved up to Auckland eventually, begrudgingly, from Mount Monganui. And then after five years, was like, man, I'm this time for somebody else to have a go. Because one of my, one of the things that I I take pride in is is creating space and, and making a bit of a space for somebody else to come in behind me. Like I don't understand I don't understand how people hold roles, particularly as as awesome as traveling around the world with MTV it's it's a selfish act I think my my opinion on it selfish act to hold that space for yourself and not let anybody else grow into it and I also want to encourage people to go after things there's nothing wrong with seeing people when I first moved into radio the best job that you could get was breakfast and I walked in there and I said and they said you know what is what are your what are your goals and I was doing a drive show at that time of Flinning on ZM Polly and Grant were in breakfast I was like, what's the best job here? And they're like, breakfast. And I was like, I'm on the fucking breakfast job. And everyone's like, oh my God, you can't say that. Don't say that. It'll just unravel the whole organization. I'm like, would you not want someone to push you to be the best? Like in your in your position as an athlete, you don't just sit there just going, well, my place in the boat's guaranteed. Because you're in America. There's like 30 people wanting your seat. Uh, and as a result of that, that, that competition, and it's not like cut you at the knees and drug you at a party or you know like encourage you to do terrible things like it's just um healthy competition to make sure that the best people get the best um chance at the best position so that they can be the best and that was sort of how it all that's kind of how it all began for me but it was just not like that in the industry 
That's so true. You hit the nail on the head there about, I want to be the best on my team because I'm the best, but I want to beat people who are insane. And if I don't, I tip my hat off to them. You deserve to yeah. beat me and you deserve to be in that boat. But even if it's external, like we want to, you know, beat other schools, other teams. So we need to push ourselves to get there. Or if it's just for yourself, I need to be honest. And it's the same way for your fight for life. You wanted to make that a good matchup. And if you got beat, it was going to be bloody hard to make it happen. Like you're going to go down giving it everything. Yeah, and I did. I completely emptied the tank. Like about two weeks out, Shane was like, man, I don't know if I want to throw you in the ring. Um, a, because you just haven't had enough time. B, I don't think you're going to be good enough. And C, I don't want to stand in a losing corner. I'm not a loser. And I was like, I'm not losing. We're not losing. Um, let me in there and I'll and I'll show you. And he was like, I could tell when you said that to me that you weren't going to lose. And I, I blew myself to smithereens in that ring. Just died. And that I was like... Yeah, because if the if the goal was win every second of every minute of every round and then you win the fight, it's simple. And so the first round was like not didn't it was messy. Um, and the second round, I didn't think that I'd won it. And the third round, I just emptied the tank. And on the cards, it was it was all unanimous my way. But in my head, I was like, that's not every second of every minute of every round. So therefore, I'm not at my I'm not where I need to be to win this. And um, I guess we're just sort of lucky. We're trying to make it a trilogy. Uh, just so that me, me and Tammy can get back in there. Well, because I mean, everyone was like, "Oh, because you can bet on it too." Like, there were people people made a lot of money on us. I bet a lot of people had money on Tammy, and a lot of people had money on me. So, um, not that we really that wasn't really the focus, but yeah, I think that we thought that we could both do better with another chance. So we're sort of we're looking at it at the moment, which is which is pretty cool. We, I'd be keen to do it again. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, it's more than just you two in the ring it's a whole operation going on about it. And it does inspire other people, even if it's just to spectate and, hey, they're going to have a party so they can watch you fight. Whatever it is, it creates this whole, like, situation around just one event. It's awesome. I hope it happens. Yeah, I was, I was inspired to do it initially from a really good friend of mine, Logan Dodds, who is just a motivational guy. Like, I'm lucky. I think when you get to my age, uh, and it can be done at any age, you just need to start just seeing who's in that circle and what are they, what are they contributing to your life? And is it, is it adding, you know, do they support you? Do they call you out on your shit? Do do they enable you to make bad decisions or encourage you to make great decisions? And Dodds is one of those people who leads from the front. He had a, he had a fight, gave it everything. And from that, I was like, mate, I'm in. And, and luckily for me, I'm surrounded by, which is by design. I'm surrounded by great people that work their asses off and try to be the best that they can be all the time. Do we party? Oh shit, we party. It's great. I'm awesome at it. Uh, every time, every now and again, we need to flex that muscle. But for the most part, we're trying to be better, and uh, and that it makes such a makes such a massive difference when you surround yourself with those people because they just hold you to account. And I think now more than ever, there's an, a desire um, for that instant gratification. It used to be when someone comes up to you, and this is something that I've observed is that people come up to you and they go. So what are you up to? And you're like, oh man, I'm running the Auckland Marathon. And they're like, man, congratulations. Good on you, man. That's awesome. Well done, man. Wicked, wicked, wicked. And for a lot of people, they're like, boom, there's that dopamine hit. That's all I wanted was done. And so I've already got the gratification. I haven't even put shoes on yet. I haven't been for one run. I've just told somebody a goal. I have fucking zero, uh, zero integrity or, or wanton desire to do that but it just kind of filled the conversation, made me sort of elevate myself a little bit more and made people think a little bit more highly of me. And you run into that person six months later, hey man, how'd the marathon go? Oh, you know, something came up, shin splints, couldn't do it. And they're like, oh, well, never mind, man. Better luck next time. What are you up to now? I'm going to swim across the Cook Strait. Damn, look at you go. That's awesome. Like there's a lot of that perpetual um, gratitude for a, a thing that you haven't done. So I think it's almost better to not tell people. Max Key did a great job of this recently with, I mean, he's right. Regardless of what you think of Max or his family, he's a good kid, like a really good kid, uh, a really clever kid, and works really, really hard. And obviously, he's got a he's got um, some safety nets that a lot of people don't have, and some role models and access to people that a lot of other people don't have. He said about it. He posted up this picture of him um, after competing in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu competition. And I've known him for a number of years. And I was like, man, I don't even know you're doing jits. That's awesome. And he goes. 
Yeah, I wanted to do it for me and I don't want it to be done for anybody else. I wanted to share people, share the result with people, but um, you know, I didn't want to didn't want to call it early. Because everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, there it is. You you're doing a, a you're doing a podcast and you're rolling jujitsu style. So that's a the Joe Rogan model tech. Uh, but yeah, it's different, different to that. He yeah, I, I follow Max Ski, so totally with the podcast, all of that. I'm I've been there and I'm enjoying seeing what he does next. What you're mentioning too is makes me think of delayed gratification. Like instant gratification, sure, that's sweet, but delayed gratification is even better. If something takes months, years, and you get that sweet spot, it's the journey that's gotten you there. That's pretty surreal. And from sport, you get that a lot. It's You look at Olympians, they spend, what, Emma Twig hit three Olympics before she got her gold. That yeah. would have felt pretty sweet. And you, we touched upon it, so I'm just going to get outright into it. Tall poppy syndrome in your own words, can you describe what it is and what experiences you've had with it, if you have? Um, I think tall poppy syndrome, from what I can gather and what I make of it, is that uh, you're supported to a certain extent. And then when you pop out above everybody else, then people are like, hey, don't forget where you came from and you're not anything without us and, and everything that goes with it. Um, and I haven't really experienced it because... Uh, I mean, it's one of those things that at the, at the crux of it, does it exist? Yes, it does. But it's kind of a, it's an opinion piece. If somebody's actively going after you, say, for example, somebody supported us through Pals the whole time, and then they actively went after us to, to damage our business as a result of our success, then that is tall poppy syndrome. But more often than not, and it's, a pin, it's an opinion of you and your business by somebody that isn't a part of your business. And if they're not in your business, then they don't have a say in your business and they don't have anything to do with your business. So their opinion, in my opinion, counts for fucking nothing. It's sort of everybody is entitled to say something. And I think it happens less and less and less. I think we're quick to champion other businesses and other Kiwis now um, that are doing well. And not to the like, not to the American level of like, <laughs> hey man, you're the guy, woo woo. Like, and that's and there's even sort of like because now we're not only in New Zealand and now we're in different countries and looking at our expansion model and and how do we present ourselves and we do that in New Zealand we still are four friends that started a company three years ago that now take on the big boys at their level with none of the money that they have and none of the power that they have and we're really proud of it and I'm really proud of my business partners Matt and Nick who run the business day to day um, and their vision and how they drive it. And the team that we've got around us is just amazing. And we, um, we talk about being, instead of firing arrows and trying to hit a target, we are the target and we attract the arrows. We attract the great talent. We attract the community. We attract um, the, I guess, the minds and hearts of the public because they know who we are. Like we are, it's us. It's just the four of us. We don't have any financial backers. It's bootstrapped by ourselves and and we are where we are because we've always been there. And I think it's pretty easy to support that as a New Zealander. Every now and again, you'll get um, you'll get people go. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, there's just some people, particularly online, where where most of this lives, where they go, ah, oh, fucking these guys again. But it's one of those, you're in charge of what goes into your eyes and ears. Like you can pay attention to it. And a lot of people say, for example, you post something up, a new, a new, a new flavor comes out from us. And it's human nature to go through and scroll through and everyone's like, yes, yes. Well, there's my summer. Well, I can't wait, man. This is amazing. Love what you do, blah, blah, blah. And then someone's like, that's shit. And you're like, hang on a second. Who is this person? And you just scroll through. So I don't give a shit. I do not care. This is what we've made. If you like it or you don't like it, it's of no real consequence. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because this is what we believe we should be doing as a team, as the four of us as owners. And if you like it, that's epic and i love that if you don't like it of no consequence you don't like it everyone's entitled to make their own decisions or well, i don't drink alcohol sweet why are you following us then you know so i don't yeah i i don't have time for it i've got professional sports people uh in my life that have the same thing like they kind of focus on those little bits and pieces and uh and it just it just keeps tripping them up this drink has literally taken new zealand by storm it's for my friends the go-to choice it's a mixture of its cool aesthetic, the tone of its natural ingredients, or its like sustainable conscious values. 
a mix of many things. Having founded this company with your longtime friends and your wife, Anna, my question is, since Pals is like rightfully seen as this genuine brand, real connection to its consumers, you do unsung, uh, you do the unsung Powell initiative, things like that. Mm. Why do you think it's been so successful? It's a, it's a tough one. I think that most of New Zealand basically picked it up as their own brand because we're the only company that is just four mates. So when you're looking at a big company that does booze in particular, you always want to know what the connection is that you're going to have with it. And I think that we found it as mates for pals and to actually not be the catalyst for a good time, but just a conduit for a good time as well. So you don't need to turn up to a party. I'm having a, a zezer at the moment. These are the zero pals that we have. Um, you don't need to necessarily drink. I think that's what we wanted to impress upon people. There's longitudinal studies in behind it. What's the biggest group of people that you can have where you can have a meaningful conversation and that number's five. So what is the number of drinks that would socially lubricate that situation? That's two, hence the reason why we have a 10 pack because a box of pals is to be shared with your pals. It's not to be consumed necessarily by yourself. I'm not saying that people don't, 100% aware that people do, uh, but that was the thought process in behind it because we're not into mass consumption and overconsumption we're into making memories as opposed to deleting them and i think that resonates with the people that enjoy the product and it's a nice in terms of when we came to market it, it was slick and we didn't know it would go as well as it did um but everything kind of fitted in at, at the at the perfect timing we had great branding which is also out of mount monganui um we had great support and obviously through my wife's um social media following it sort of bumped that along quite nicely the best part about it for me was when we're going through the flavor profiling and tasting and testing uh one of the ones that was sort of an outlier was the watermelon and mint it's in a pink can a pastel pink can and we're trying to break apart all these the different psychographic groups and how, how where's the masculinity going to fit into this where is it where where's a man going to drink this drink and uh when a friend of mine was playing for taranaki and they won the ranfurly shield and I got a photo from the boys in the shed. All of them are drinking pink powers, holding onto the Ranfilly shield. And I was like, I, th I think that's it. We've done it. It's awesome. And from there, we don't necessarily have, although we have a target demographic, it's from people who are at legal age and can consume alcohol right the way through to their grandparents. It's sort of 75, 80. And it's, it's always just been a, a thing that is shared by everybody. And I think you can, you can look at it and you trust it because it's us. And we, and we came into it for the right reasons. We weren't trying to, do a big pump and dump. A lot of other companies were like, well, if Jay can run a, a company like Powers, and surely we can. And there's been a lot of imitators, but they've sort of fallen by the wayside because without the brand and without the ethos and without the foundations in which we founded the company on, it's just it's just too hard to, I guess, claw that market share back from us. And uh, and something we're really proud of. We, and we just recently became B Corp. So that's something that we've spent the last couple of years working on and making sure that we've got a really sustainable business and that everybody in that business is looked after. And I think that also resonates well with not only other businesses, but with the consumers as well. And it's massive. If you feel like you have a stake in a company and I'd say that your friends do, just like everyone that does consume pals feel, then uh, I think you're onto a winner and, and, and we're lucky. We're supported by New Zealand because we're a New Zealand company and a lot of them aren't. The name itself really does lean into that. I didn't know, but I really like what you said about it's meant to be shared with pals. I knew that it's better with pals, but the 10 pack, I didn't even know that that was kind of a the logic behind it. But it's, again, that's the foundation of it, pushing that forward. No one, no one, I guess, looks at pals and goes, I don't know the, the purpose behind it. I don't know, like, I don't feel the brand. You've done a really incredible job as a team whether it's the name, the aesthetic, uh, the branding is incredible. Just well done. I was blown away. I did not realize your connection with it was so deep until I started really looking into it. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like it has taken New Zealand by storm. It is literally the go-to. So congrats to you and the whole team because it's incredible. Thank you very much. It's, and we're, we're super, super proud. We're three years old now and um every different stage of the business has been helped out by somebody um, within the team, particularly, obviously, uh, Matt and Nick, who are the the day-to-day -day, um, co-owners and, and they work within the business and they work tirelessly. Like if you saw the amount of effort and passion and drive that those two individuals put into it, you, it's incomparable. And and that's probably one of the, the key things that I've learned in businesses. A, if I don't really have a massive hands-on approach to it, then it'll go quite well. 
and B, surround yourself with really, really hardworking people. And, and that's what we've got. I thought you were going to say if you had a hands-on approach, the, the, then that's when it goes well. But you went, no, a little bit of distance is no. good. And that's the thing. I, when everyone, everyone says to me, oh, tell me about the success of powers. And it's like, well, I, why not focus on the things that I've done poorly first? Because everyone's got a success story. But for every business, and I think this is the same for anyone across the board, no one ever talks about the hundred businesses that have folded or that they've done poorly or the things that I've learned from those to actually make it work. And, and um, well, my wife, Anna, obviously she's uh, really slick coming through that Red Bull school of uh, PR and comms and knowing how to market things and moving into a digital marketing space where you don't necessarily have to pay for that, that brand equity. Uh, and also the help that we've had from the likes of Jeff Ross and um, Dan Gosling and, and the curation of these brands, the brand that we now have, and Jeff said this thing to me once, which has resonated for a long time. Marketing is the price you pay for having a shit brand. And if you don't, and I say advertising is the price you pay for having a shit brand. And what we've got is, is some great brand equity, which has been picked up by people and they advocate for us on behalf of us because we're clear with our messaging and clear with what we want to do. And we want to create a good time as opposed to deleting a night, you know? Incredible. The Red Bull school of thinking too is is very present. I'm not sure if you follow, I'm sure you you do like F1 Red Bull racing or does the Red Bull, uh, like the presence that it has, has somehow got this mix of, yeah, it's, it's this drink, but you associate it with like adrenaline. That's the tone of it. And you can almost see that have come through with pals. It's not necessarily the same parallel of adrenaline, but you have this drink and it means so much more for other people. So yeah, kudos to Anna, because you can see that coming through there. And that's what we wanted to create something bigger than just a drinks company. Hence the reason why we do Unsung Powers. We just spent tonight going through hundreds of applications for the next uh, funding round of Unsung Powers. And it's amazing because people just want to bring other people up. And, and this whole thing is about tall poppies. It, 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 it's really heartening to see that it's not just slash and grab and drag people down so that you can go up. It's people nominating other people doing amazing stuff and the hope that they get the recognition. And probably the only thing I'd say to that is it's all well and good nominating somebody for this, these funding rounds, but please, please, please tell them to their face how much you appreciate the work that they do, because that means more than any amount of money to most people. And when people do it off their own bat, as opposed to being financially driven by, um, a cause and it makes such a massive difference to the outcome because if you do something i mean that's probably i've never done anything for money because i am useless with it and i just always look for a good time and then try and fund it some way um it just it speaks to how i operate like i don't probably to my detriment i'm not financially focused which is a absolute shambles for my family but i have a bloody fun time i want to touch upon uh, thank you by the way i want to touch upon when you said you know the the blokes all having that pink pals and how that kind of really helped create this masculine presence or not create it but appeal and be, create that bridge for people and a lot of your work like I, I looked at Spates Mates O'Clock and Movember and all the work that's happening there in your experience not only in the in the industry but maybe just like as a male in New Zealand what are your observations on kind of that shift in the mental health conversation and the stereotypes we place on males specifically by everyone what have you noticed changing across like the decades so to speak well i'm now uh 40 years old and the first november i did was when i was 18 at tauranga boys college and we tried to basically petition or bully the school into letting seventh form prefects have moustaches to raise funds for Movember. And this is when it was in Australia only. It hadn't come across to New Zealand. Um, and then since then, I've been a Mobro ever since. Uh, I'm now in business with uh, Rob Dunn, who runs Movember for New Zealand and, and the Greater Asia Group, I guess. And I think that probably the biggest learnings that I've I've, I've seen and, and the, the trends that I've noticed over the last basically two and a half decades is that we are getting better at speaking and and we do care about our mates and we vocalize it more because i think we're breaking the old stereotypes of stiff up a lip and just get on with it and don't be a pussy and and the stuff that gets said in and around you has a direct impact on you so when somebody's saying something that's 
derogatory or just punching down or you're not speaking well about your family or your partner or your mates, then you get held to account for that now. And it, and it probably didn't happen as much. Obviously, some people did, but I think as a general consensus, people are, are much quicker to pull people up on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And how can we be better? It's not about going, don't do this and don't do that. And why are you doing this? It's like, have you thought about this? And that's through conversations with the likes of Richie Hardcore, who's really good. Um, and and probably that that podcast revolution of we just don't know. And we have a a weird relationship with education and the fact that most lads struggle at school. So as a result of that, they think that all learning is just punishing. And now with podcasts, and, and I'm not saying that Joe Rogan's the, the holy grail, but the likes of Huberman Lab and how we talk about uh, consumption of alcohol and what it is that we do to our bodies and, and why our bodies operate that way and I think I read more now and I, I listen to more podcasts than I do anything and I like learning and I like going well why do I do this and um, and when you can unravel it because that's how our brain works it goes back to front and we um, use uh, existing knowledge and then compare it to what we've got and then make a decision on it whereas a female brain goes side to side and, and then back and forth and side to side again so we're just different animals and when you learn that you get better friendships, you get better relationships, and it's uh, just an easier place to operate. And I think if you always do something from a place of good, uh, then you always sort of win. The mental health side of things, I think that people realize that it's a lot tougher, uh, or maybe, say for example, uh, mates of mine are builders or plumbers or whatever. And if I said to them, oh, I need a hand building a deck, they'd come around and they'd be like, sweet as mate, I've got the tools, I've got the knowledge, let's knock it out. But if I rang my mates and we're like, man, my dog's just been run over. The missus left me. I've been drinking too much. Things aren't going well. Can you help me out? Nine times out of 10, most lads would go, I just don't have the skills. I don't have the tools for it. So it's about upskilling ourselves and, and, and being real, um, I guess, active in our friends' lives and actually doing things that, that matter as opposed to, like I said, just going out and smashing piss because, we're great at it as New Zealanders, but what we're not great at is having those conversations. But to have those conversations, you need to have examples of that. So it's all well and good talking about, hey, I'm raising money for men's health and I'm raising awareness for mental health, but what are you actually doing? But like we need a fence at the top of the cliff as opposed to funding at the bottom of it because by the time that's happening, the problem's already all over us. And there is some really, really, really well-documented studies that, that say the more you talk about men taking their own lives, the more they do. And and it's the opposite of what we want. So instead of talking about what's happening, why don't we talk about what we could do in front of that to to make it not happen? And when someone says to me, Matt, I'm, I'm down and out and I'm buggered, and we, and we get it endlessly because of what we do at The Rock. But when they say that to me, I don't go, oh, man, that's, that's no good, you know, chin up, you know, keep going. I'm like, have you tried drinking less have you tried getting better sleep have you tried exercising have you tried doing breath work and maybe doing some cold exposure joining a club or you know getting out into the community and doing something that makes you feel good and, and nine times out of ten that's exactly what will kick you out of that funk and back into it and there's so many examples of that now there's so many people that are advocates for raising money for mental health that it's great don't get me wrong but be the change you want to see as opposed to trying to fund something that you're supporting i think would be the key learnings there are also a lot of I think positive changes happening within schools too which is good but I think what I'm yeah. hearing from you as well is like a lot of people are past that point for example like I am hope Mike King's work in schools is incredible but there are people who are past that now what are their resources hearing you and Duncan like on the rock that is a resource maybe someone does want to listen to a podcast because people absorb things in a lot of different ways I personally am also a big podcast fan I I listen to all of them it's it's Joe Rogan it's Brody Kane it's all over the spectrum and I don't need to like all of it you can pick and choose no. what you want and for men too I think it offers a lot listening to people it's a start of a conversation although it's one way like whether it's listening to you, whether it's watching the spates, mates o'clock, hearing conversations and being like, okay, I'm maybe not ready to participate in it, but just having that exposure, which social media has brought about too, like that platform that people can identify. I think that's really huge. So 
I hope the conversation, as you say, isn't just a conversation about, oh, this is happening, but what are the tools we can do? And I, I do think that is growing. And I think even initiatives you're involved with are prime examples of that, but there is still room to go on that. Front. I think a lot of people get a lot of people get tangled up in there. You basically create a, a person that you think you are at 18, 19, and then you just basically cover that in piss for however many years. And then when you hit a, a tough time, you realize that there's not a lot of substance to it. And and if you hold fast to a, a, a bunch of thoughts that you have as an 18 year old, they're different when you're 40 and you'd want to hope that they're different. And so you should be able to be malleable and move on your position. Like I have conversations at length with my wife, Anna, about and what I'm doing in business and life and everything that goes with that. And I've been like, this is how I operate. And, and at the end of it, I can be like, no, no, I actually see, I can see your point of view. And you don't always have to agree with what people are saying. Just listen. And you don't need to argue to convince the other person to be on your side. You can, I can have a conversation with 10 different people that have 10 different points of view on things and be like, no, cool, man, I, I can see what you're saying. That's, that's awesome. Don't try and convince me to what it is that you're doing, but I can see where you're coming from and I'll take a piece of that and, and add it to this and then that becomes a bigger picture. And I think a lot of people are just, if I, if I let go of this, then what have I got? And I love that. Like I'm like, man, I'm fucking a jellyfish. I'm just everywhere. I'm like, well, what have we got over here? Like just mobble along. Well, what have we got over here? And I, and I love that. I love the fact that I'm, out in an ocean of information and I can pick and choose things that come my way and I don't need to be so steadfast in my approach to life because you just you can't control that much stuff and you're not your thoughts like that's people get hung up on thinking that they are what they're thinking and you're just not like it's you have the ability to change at any stage like I might like carrots today might not like them tomorrow like at the moment I'm on like this weird carnival diet I'm just eating meat and I'm going to give it a go for five weeks because why the fuck not? If it's shit, then I'll get off it. Like it says, you need to try more stuff. And 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 there's like a, a, an elasticity and plasticity to your brain that if you don't use it, it gets worse and worse and worse. But you should always be trying to sharpen your tools and learn something you don't know. Learn a language, learn a skill set, join a club, walk into a room where you don't know people, introduce yourself, figure out what's going on. Because... Otherwise, you just your friend group as a man gets smaller and smaller and smaller from the age of 18, whereas a female friend group gets bigger and bigger and bigger as they get older. And you just end up being alone and sitting at home going, I wonder what everyone's up to at the pub. Shit, I'm going to go to the pub. A lot of times too, I think people are scared to change, whether it's even an opinion. Like that's also a big thing mm. with cancel culture, et cetera, where the whole point of growing is that you can change your opinion, much like you say, you can have something, formulate it, change it. And we need to, it's something I work on too, is like, it's okay to, like you say, if you're on this carnival diet in five weeks, be like, oh, I'm actually not, I've gone away. Oh, why did you do that? No, no one's going to ask that. You can just say, all right, I tried that. It's not for me. I realized it's not for me. I'm more knowledgeable. I can make that change. I think that that's something a lot of people need to work on and are trying to work on is like, it's okay to be malleable to your point. It's okay to change once you know better, do better sort of mm. narrative. And yeah, just thank you. And it ties into what you said uh, in our, in our earlier conversation about making space for other people. Like even you spending your time with me and I thank you so much for it because you have oh, all this. Why would I not? <laughs> Why would I not? Well, you're, you're really awesome. You approached me and said, "Would you like to have a chat?" And I'm like, "Fucking cool! I'm having a chat with you. Other people get to hear it, and then hopefully someone gets something from this." But for the most part, this is this is us. Like, this is our interaction, and I appreciate you. Oh, well, thank you. Like, I was actually blown away when you were like, "Epic, yep, win works." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, here's this, here's this legend who I know is very busy, who's taking the time to talk to me and just." like you said, our conversation since yesterday, I've had many conversations of, oh, guess what Jay said when I was talking to him about this, like I was writing it down. I journal. That's a big thing I like to do is I journal every right. day. And Perfect. it's, it's so cool for me that I have this snippet. It's like this huge resource. So yeah, if other people listen, bloody wicked, that would be epic. I think there's a lot they can learn from our conversation. And uh, oh yeah, it's, uh, I was just, really appreciate hearing everything you have to say so thank you so much i can't emphasize that enough no i think that this is something that we're missing too and a skill 
as my kids get older, like this face-to-face conversation, like this is true value. Like this is learning something about somebody else and 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 meeting new people. I think that's something that you that we should never lose. And as humans, I just went to this big like third gen AI thing last night, which is awesome. Like it, it's coming, like regardless. But one of those things that will be missed is human interaction because you can sub out everything to basically a brain that operates in the internet like it can gather all of the information like it used to be and you're too young to even remember it but there'd be quizzes pub quizzes and people didn't have phones so it was just purely on knowledge and sitting around a table and having a drink and bantering back and forth and going well what, what do you think it is what do you think it is but everything now is like hang on i'll google it or here it is i'm proving myself right by having this opinion but it's not your opinion it's somebody else's and you've got a watered down shit version of it because you didn't do the original thinking and you're regurgitating it poorly and it's and it holds no no value and, and I, conversations help people figure out where they stand on something and you don't always have to agree and i think it's i think it's beautiful and that's where creativity comes from and that's where entrepreneurship comes from of where, where is a problem how can i solve it and i'm not the only one that can do this you're probably doing it as well and there's a lot more collaborative stuff and movember to that point is is a shining example of it like it used to be as a man you'd go in and get a finger in your ass for a prostate examination and they have this thing called the Global Action Plan or Program, which is all the doctors from around the world are funded by Movember. And their research, whether it's in, a, in India and they're working on something or Ireland or the States, and they pull that information because what normally happens is that all that stuff just gets buried because it's funded by pharmaceutical companies or sponsored. And then they never let that information go. But with Movember, they share it all. And as a result of that, you expedite the process of getting people healthier and getting people better and and you, you can you end up being more open to stuff and and hence the reason why saunering an ice bath is something that i do like i didn't know about it and then i saw a wim hof documentary and then nigel beach from the mounts like wim hof's best mate he's like man come on for a session like, i love being open to stuff because otherwise you're like well i'm going to the gym and i'm doing fucking chest and back on a monday and this like even as an athlete like you must see how much it's changed in your time as an athlete, as a young person. Like it used to just be as many reps as you can, as hard as you can, spew on your the back of the person in front of you, and and hopefully we win going backwards. It, exactly, we're just pulling on a stick going backwards, and there are times where yeah, it is just hard mahi. It's just it's just go there. The tried and true of work ethic that's not going to go away, but there is knowledge on. Hmm, let's cross train. We don't actually need to just do kilometers and kilometers of rowing. We can do bike or it's proven that weights are going to be helpful. All that to your point, shared knowledge of this is what they're doing in the Netherlands. This is what they're doing in Australia. When there's that platform where it's come together, suddenly it's elevating everything. Like you look at world records, obviously there's always outliers, but I love to look at like the Olympics or, you know, the top sports it's just getting better and better and better because there's all this knowledge. Like when the four minute mile seemed impossible to break. Yeah. Now there's, I mean, in some countries, you know, you've got year 13, it's like seniors, the equivalent in America, getting near that four minute mile. And at a point in time, that was almost scientifically impossible. And now it's like, oh yeah, that's that's, that's doable. They almost, we're, we're going to crack a two hour marathon. We, the collective human yeah. race, will co- crack a two hour marathon. Uh, within the next 10 20 years you've got to and that's Easy. less than that less than that it'll be in the next two three i reckon just the way people are operating but i think what happens is that and what you touched on then is that collective knowledge then ex- that extends what's going on and so you look at the the people that you idolize in the sport and you're like well they did this and they will tell you that because generally most people are good at passing that information on if they held it to themselves then you get sort of nothing but you get this collective knowledge and then you have like a a generational uh body of of skills that you know you teach them something that they didn't know they teach something you didn't know but you, as, a, as a group you move through as a cohort you move through but i think what's happening now and that's sort of part of that tall poppy setup is that there's a lot of young people and this is this is an observation as opposed to saying that they're doing it wrong but there's a lot of young people that are like 21 i'm going to be an entrepreneur i'm going to drive around in a ferrari and i'm going to do x one z like whatever gives you power then i'm fucking all about it but at the same time like you don't know shit when you're 20 like you literally don't know shit and i'm still learning at 40 and i think if you think you know everything then you're instantly cutting yourself off to all sorts of knowledge and 
and part it plays into well you're just not happy about my success because you weren't here when you were my age and i don't think i don't think that that plays into it at all i think that there's a lack of acknowledgement from those people that i've got an idea my idea is the best and you should be championing me and if somebody older than you says well have you thought about this they're like well fuck you you're ripping me down that's tall poppy syndrome in new zealand it's like well no it's just that's a reality check just because you've got a, a great idea for you doesn't mean it's a great idea for the collective and just because you've succeeded in this way doesn't mean that everyone else will so just because you're doing something doesn't mean that i need to get a, a ticker tape parade out for you and i think a lot of people get disgruntled with that and they're like fuck you i want to make more money than you've ever made and, and if that's your purpose then awesome that excuse me but at the same time just because you're saying something or doing something doesn't mean that anyone needs to give a shit about it and you can't be angry about it like by all means do it but don't think that anyone else will give a fuck because if you do then you've missed the whole point of doing it because you should be doing it for you or for a greater cause and those people shouldn't matter in your sphere of operation exactly if if i did this podcast because i wanted to get massive numbers of people listening that would be cool but that's not the purpose of it. And that's why with my guests, I'm so grateful. They're intentional. I talk to people that I'd love to have an hour conversation with. And that skill that I've learned from the older generation, so to speak, is just reaching out and asking because I'm always surprised, but I maybe should stop being, people want conversations. Tell people me. people are grateful and excited. Like, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can have this talk. I have no idea where she's come from. Uh, Tūranga Edmonds who's uh, in Alien Weaponry. It's uh, the Māori. Yeah, it was an awesome chat. Yeah, and he, he says to yeah. me, thank you, by the way. He goes, yeah, yeah, I went to my spam almost. And then I went, what's this? And he went back in. I thought, oh, cool. Like, that was a pretty hard case. And he went, yeah, and I, I started talking to my mum. And she goes, yeah, you've had tall poppy since you were a kid with sport. And he went, oh. And he'd, he'd started having these conversations. So much like the mental health conversation, especially with men, not just saying, oh, yeah, this thing exists. It's like, oh, well, we say it exists, but what's my experience with it? Why? It, it's creating yeah. all this dialogue. So thank you. I mean, I could I could honestly keep talking to you, but I, I know I know both your time is as valuable. So the last like question, so to speak, I, I try to wrap up with, if you could have one meal for the rest of your days and... <laughs> I know you're on a carnival diet right now, so I don't know. I, I won't hold you to it yeah. in, in a year's time. What would it be? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, as a as a former cooking teacher, and and, and I've asked this question a million times as well. It's it's so so tough, but it's it, it almost like there's there's two options to it. It's like what is the most delicious thing now that you can eat, and so you just be like, that's amazing. I can eat it forever. Or what will sustain me forever, and if you were to take a sensible route and go, what would sustain me forever? I don't think it would be as exciting. So I think for me, um, and I'd die if I ate this forever, 100%, I'd get some form of poisoning because our pelagic fish just fucking soak up so much shit out of our oceans, unfortunately. But I um, I would love to, uh, there's an amazing dish if you catch kingfish or yellowtail or whatever, whatever they're called in the States, um, and you sashimi them so you cut them nice and thin raw cut them nice and thin and then you can chop up uh, dice up a small red onion and dice up chili sprinkle it over the top and then fresh coriander and then you can heat up um, some olive oil in a pan and sprinkle over the fish uh, some soy sauce a little bit of sesame oil and then with a the hot oil just as it's getting to that smoke point you pour it over the top and it just kind of sears it off a little bit it's fucking money it's delicious and it's just and for me like i try and spend more time in the ocean than out of it and it's tough being in Auckland because I can't but yeah that's for me that's that's heaven that is absolute heaven if it's caught by you processed by you and then eaten by you and the ones you love that's that's living oh and you've just given people a play-by-play -play if they want to slow down and listen how you actually create that dish as well I get what you mean I miss the ocean a lot that's the give and takes you get sometimes when you live in the city area but yeah. that sounds incredible Jay, thank you so much. I am excited to see what you're up to next. I'm sure there's a lot of projects and things you're moving with. Mm. And I know I've said it a few times because I keep, I will just keep emphasizing, thank you for spending the time with me. 
it, it means Thank a lot. Thank you for spending the time with me. I really appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing because it's it's all positive stuff and you're, and you're feeding a lot of good energy into the world. And congrats on all of your successes so far. And I know that this is just the, the first of many amazing chapters in your life. And uh, you're a spectacular human and, and we need more people like you. So congrats for doing what you're doing, um, making your way in the Big Apple or just out of the Big Apple. Um, we need to travel and people that travel are better than people that stay at home so you appreciate more than what, what we've got when you actually get out and about so you're doing a great job and this is a great podcast so thank you for having me on as a guest I feel honored thank you thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk we'll see you next time feel free to check us out on socials YouTube and the website thanks for today